Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Hey, this is Todd. Oh, hey, Todd. It's Kevin Davis here, and you're really today. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, man? How have you been? Oh, very well. It's been way too long, and so it's great. It's been quite here. a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe it was uh, the last record, uh, um, How to Be Loved, and we had a couple of these uh, My Behind the Song devotional conversations. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you and I go way back. Uh, back to um, I first started writing these 10 years ago. I believe I featured you somewhere in the area of like six times and uh, was looking to get the story behind the song of glory to our great redeemer. And yeah. And also catch up with you, you know, kind of a combination of, you know, what you've been up to and uh, the story of the song and the scripture connected to it. And um, yeah, things are going great for me. Uh, I'm a dad of three girls, um, 17, 13 and 11 now uh, about to celebrate my, 24th uh, wedding anniversary. Um, we, my wife and I are high school sweethearts. Got married as uh, 23-year-olds. And, uh, yeah, so um, uh, that's my life. And as you may recall, I credit uh, Christian music for uh, the biblical messages of Christian music for my salvation, um, uh, starting with that first Joseph Clay record in the mid-'90s. Um, that was uh, when I started hearing the gospel. And... Uh, actually sought out a personal relationship with the Lord, and that led me to want to write behind the song devotionals, Bible studies. And uh, you've always been a perfect partner for that type of ministry. So 
how are you doing? Well, thanks, man. I'm doing, I'm doing well. Um, yeah, my wife and I, uh, we're at about, what is, where, are we, where are we now? We're at like nine, nine years and not quite nine and a half. And, uh, and we were high school sweethearts. Um, we we got married like 20 years later. <laughs> we did the high school thing and then broke up for two decades and then got back together. Um, but we have a uh, we have a 15 year old boy and a but we have a 13 year old girl as well. So I'm I'm doing that that entering teenage girl thing for the first time. So I'm I'm lost with her most of the time now. Uh, well, um, that's what our wives are for. Uh, thankfully, uh, yeah. they, they've at least lived through that before, so they understand the the emotional duress uh, that seems right. to be fairly consistent. Um, but uh, but relative to our role as their dads, and I think that's actually uh, for me uh, as a, a you know having Benny. Uh, I got saved in '99, and my daughter was born in 2000. So. Okay. Um, I think the Lord uh, knew um, as he uh, brought these three girls into our family uh, that having Christian parents uh, would mean they would have a better opportunity to know him uh, earlier on than my wife and I did uh, because we did not grow up uh, with that personal relationship. And she also got saved um, before my first daughter was born. So, so yeah, so I think uh, having Jesus at the center – and having a uh, biblical uh, um, lens that we kind of look at circumstances uh, absolutely has uh, provided a piece that passes understanding, right? Isn't that kind of when you start to realize that even turmoil, what the world calls turmoil, um, you can find peace in uh, as long as you know our Savior. And, uh, yeah, I feel like that's really been your ministry. Like as I go through this whole collection, and it's been awesome for me to read reconnect with all of these tracks. Um, you know, I like kind of the reverse anthology kind of order uh, of, of the, of the track order, um, you know, kind of start with what's new and work our way back to how you got started. And, you know, on each step of that journey, it's cool for me. It's kind of like listening to a soundtrack of my own um, faith journey, you know, and I imagine it is for you as well <laughs> on some level. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that's what that's true for most of us artists. You know, that whatever you're writing, it's you're you're you and we have great intentions to write wise, profound, amazing things, but most of the time we're just telling our story. Oh, for um, sure. So, so when you go back through those things, you know, I had all kinds of agendas when I was doing it. But when you go back and look at it later, you're like, oh, no, that's just what was going on. You know, that's, exactly. that's, that, that's, uh, that's just the story uh, of life. And so, so, yeah, it is interesting to do a project like this. Um, and, uh, and I was with somebody, I was playing a show a few weeks ago, and a radio guy came up, and he just said, I've always liked your music. He said, but to sit here and hear you tell all the stories of the songs has taken it to a totally different place. And, uh, and and I realized that, too. And so, like, we've been doing some different stuff for the last few weeks, trying to do, like, Facebook Live events and everything, not to sell records or to gain fans or anything, but to put the stories, I mean, put the songs in the context of the stories. 
Um, and, uh, and it's been really fun. Awesome. Well, that's what I want to do too. Uh, yeah. You know, I'd like to. I'd like to tell this story, tell your story, tell his story, uh, which is really what this song is about. Um, and uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind sharing with me a little bit of the song writing process, and uh, love seeing the logo Ardent Records. Uh, I need to see that more often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, there, uh, you know, we've had a lot of change um, at Ardent. Uh, you know, we had. John Fry passed away. Who was who was ardent? I mean, he started it. He he was the heart and soul there. And then you know, just right close to that, we had John Hansen pass away. Who was one of our top engineers and producers, and you know, mixed all of my first one, two, three, four, my first four records at least. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so we lost them both really close to each other, and um, and it's taken Arden a while just to kind of get back on its feet and to go, okay, what they were our heart, so what are we? <laughs> what are we without them? And sure. you know, and I think that the team has gone, hey, look, we're still the same, we just don't have that driving force, so we have to go back and find it. And and I think everybody's starting to get their feet back underneath them, and that's why we chose to do this record this way rather than going yeah. to doing a big new record, kind of, you know, just a small investment and let all the new guys go, okay, I'm going to take this record and go practice what, <laughs> what we're doing um, before we do any big releases. Um, yeah, yeah you know, that sounds great. Makes, makes sense to me, yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. that's how, how I discovered you. And, and as a, a new uh, believer, um, you know, Ardent, uh, and, and some of the releases in the 90s, um, uh, were in early 2000s were a big part of my faith walk, you know, kind of my faith companions, basically. So, yeah. yeah, so it's cool to see a collection like that and look forward to more from you. And this does absolutely whet my appetite for for more. Um, yeah, and this one is, you know, clearly a song for the church. You know, I, I'd say some of your songs um, can be for personal reflection, and you certainly have had corporate songs, but this one very much feels like a song uh, my worship leaders need to be singing uh, and is wanted, wanted to learn a little bit from you about um, what they should be listening for and what we should be uh, instructing our congregation relative to this song. Yeah, yeah, this is, um, theologically, you can, you know, you can take and wrestle this song in a moment. Um, you have to be very well prepared, um, but you can jump into it because it's it's obviously a song about what happened at the cross. You yeah. know what 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 is this salvation um, that that has been given to us? But the story of writing it is actually a really long story um, because it goes back to um, well, obviously you know, to my own growing up loving the story of the cross, but specifically this song goes back to some of my first bus tours. And I don't know which one it was, you know, but one of those first times when we weren't in the van anymore, trying to drive 10 hours to get to a show on time, but we were actually, you know, on the bus and we got to sit there and read while somebody else was driving. (laughs) And, you know, we had moved up in that stage and I was reading a book um, while we were traveling to somewhere, and uh, and I remember that the author asked the question 
about why do we use so many different metaphors for what happened at the cross? Um, why do we say that we were forgiven and that we were adopted and that we were pardoned, that we were redeemed or rescued or ransomed? Like, those are all different things. And so which one really happened and why do we use all the rest of them? And I remember reading that and just going, I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm mostly uncomfortable. I'm not upset with him for asking. I'm mostly uncomfortable that I don't know the answer. Mm. That I've, I've grown up in strong Bible teaching churches. I've studied the Bible. I know my Savior, but I don't know the answer to this question. Um, so which one of these is what really happened? And that bothered me for a long time, and I would love to say that the next day I started studying through the whole Bible so that I would understand, but I didn't. I showed up in the next town and unloaded gear in a new town and played Grace Like Rain and whatever songs were on the current record. Um, and, and so I went back to, to where I was in, in life and in ministry. And, and then about, oh, about... Two years ago, um, maybe a little longer now, um, I wrote the beginning of this song. And it was just four lines, and it's just a very simple kind of hymnic uh, chorus uh, or something. And it just said, glory to our great Redeemer, um, spotless lamb for sinners slain, my pardon purchased, my ransom paid, glory, glory to his name. And I liked it. And all of a sudden, I locked up and went, oh, no. I just used four different metaphors for salvation <laughs> in right. just those little four lines of the song. And I kind of panicked because I was like, I still don't really know the answer to that question. And so I, I put the song aside um, because theology has always been really important to me. And I, I didn't want to write something just because it rhymed or just because I liked it, or just because it was church language. Um, if I didn't understand this, I didn't feel like I could progress with the song. Mm. And uh, one of the things that has really changed in my life um, since the last time we talked, um, we moved, my family moved to Dallas, um, but I am uh, finishing a master's at Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, I just finished my last class. I'm writing papers this week, and then I write my thesis this fall. Um, and, uh, and as a part of my degree, I had to take a course in soteriology, which is our big word for the doctrine of salvation. And so I spent a whole semester studying this idea that had I wrestled with for so long. And unfortunately, um, my professor, uh, Dr. Scott Harrell, um, is an amazing teacher. And but one of our assignments is we he had given us a list of passages that we needed to go through and study and write what we thought of it. And so I studied all these different things um, about what happened. Um, what, what was this salvation? And I realized, finally, that we use all of these different metaphors for what happened at the cross because God uses all those metaphors for what happened at the cross. But this isn't humans trying to come up with a cool new way to explain it. This was God knowing that he was 
doing something that at one moment in time was, you know, taking care of the sin problem for all people for all time and that what he did to accomplish that, it's too big for one of our little metaphors. You know, it's not like he could just go, oh, well, you know, I saved you, and that that would really describe it. It doesn't. Um, And so I think God and his desire for us to have an access to his gospel, to his truth, and his desire to help us begin to understand the richness of our salvation, he describes it over and over in all these different ways. Um, Galatians uh, says that God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. He uses redeem and adoption um, Paul in 1 Corinthians says, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, in 2 Corinthians, he says that we, we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, in Romans, he says that we were reconciled and that we were saved. In 1 Corinthians, he says we were bought with a price. Um, Peter in 1 Peter says that he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Um, and, and that's just the very tip of the iceberg. You know, he, he over and over and over describes these things that when we look at them logically and mathematically, we go, hey, these aren't the same things. These are all different things. But I think it's because the reality of the thing is actually bigger than any of them. Mm-hmm. And salvation is actually larger than any of our vocabulary terms. So I think God, as an artist, kind of paints it with a different brush each time, adding to its richness, adding to our understanding of it, and many times adding to a way that we can understand it. Somebody that wasn't ready to understand that they were an heir of God might be ready to understand that they were saved. Um, and and there's this richness of how God expresses our redemption, what he did to cause this. Um, and so once I understood that all those words were from the Bible, that we didn't make them up, I felt much more freedom in, uh, in worshiping with them. And so I went back to the song. And once I went back, it all just, it just came right together. Um, oh. And I, I've definitely worked with some friends um, trying to, make sure that it was singable because I have a tendency to shove too many words in a line. Um, and uh, so, you know, we went through some of those things. But even once I was done, I went back to Dr. Farrell and said, hey, this, this is the cause of the kind of the angst in my life of writing it. But it's done now. But would you check it? <laughs> Can we just make sure that I, <laughs> I didn't add any of my ideas? Um, because I wanted it to be believers being able to glorify um, their Redeemer and, and describe it in all these different ways. And I, you know, I did, definitely didn't cover all the biblical terms that we use for salvation, um, but we got to talk about some of them. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of how the song came together. That's really awesome. Well, thank you, because that, <laughs> that actually did answer both of my original questions for you, which is uh, tell me the story of the song and tell me 
about you? Uh, what, what have you been up to? So um, what I love about that is um, it gives us now a chance to biblically reflect on, um, as you say in the song, these different ways uh, God is described. And, you know, it's his word. It's his book. Um, the, it's the story of Jesus. And from start to finish, so, so I think when you um, look at yourself, uh, your your sonship or daughters, you know, daughterhood um, uh, relative to our Redeemer, um, the response is to give glory. And and what I like is the word glory starts every single line of the song, uh, and and that is um, one of our roles as worshipers is if we're not worshiping him, we're going to be worshiping something. Um, is there any particular Bible passage or passages you'd want me to focus on, or would you recommend I do just a general uh, search for text that kind of speaks to me relative to this song? Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. Um, I, the beauty of doing it in church is that yeah. we'll we'll pull out like a different passage each time, sure, you know, and go, hey, this time I, I wanted you to know where this idea came from, and so when I introduced it to my church a few weeks ago, um, I focused in Hebrews ten, um, okay, you know, kind of ten through fourteen around in there, because that that's when it talks about. Um, us being sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's kind of the first line of the course. And, uh, and I was like, you know, it's a sacrifice is this idea, you know, it's this word that in church we throw it around all the time. Um, but, you know, working through the Old Testament, you realize, hey, this was like their primary thing. Like this word was, you know, a main concept of worship. And a main concept of um, of pardon, you know, forgiveness for them. That it was this huge idea that is all through the Old Testament. And so when you get to Hebrews, and you got the writer of Hebrews writing to Jews, saying, "Hey, look, I know you believe the Old Testament. Um, let me show you how it was, it was fulfilled in Jesus." That when he gets to Hebrews ten, he says, "Okay, the idea of sacrifice, the way you thought your whole life." that you can make your relationship right with God, it really was all for this. That, yeah. you know, in, in Hebrews ten twelve, 12, uh, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. Um, you awesome. know, that, that it was all setting up this. Um, and, you know, so that's, uh, that's, how, that's how I did it. Um, but, you know, the story of the song is the fact that throughout the book, God uses different metaphors, you know, over and over and over. Um, and, you know, and so, uh, so you know, you're definitely looking to find, find the one you like and <laughs> use that. Yeah. That's what you want to do. I, I love that. And actually, I was just reading a Bible study um, uh, the other day. Um, I think it was yesterday. Uh, I'll go pull it back up because um, – I'm going to type this up later, so this is okay for me to just say it out loud, and it'll help me remember to go check uh, sometime this this week. Um, but it was about the different um, words for God, for example, and the word mm-hmm. maker. 
um, uh, is one of the most frequent words uh, in the Bible to describe God as, as being our maker. And I think we often, I don't know, maybe we somewhat take that for granted, I guess. Um, and and uh, I, I think that's something worthy of studying and reflecting on, you know, that, that we were made in his image and, and because we're made in his image, um, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We know from Psalm 139 and we know we were, before we were born, we were chosen, you know, in the womb, that type of thing. Uh, and, you know, therefore he, as a redeemer, chose to humble himself uh, to become like us in order to, so he went from being our, our maker um, to being like us uh, in order to die for us so that we can be with him. And so I find that whole process and thinking that all through, you know, both humbling and uh, inspiring to the point that you want to respond and worship with a song like this. And <laughs> that, that yeah. I'm saying partly to talk to you a little bit about how you would you like people to apply the message of this song in their own walks as believers. Good. Well, I'm, here, I'm going to write that down. I don't want people to apply because first I'm going to respond to what you just said. I want people yeah. to apply. And that way I'll make sure to come back to it. Um, but yeah. yeah, man, I love what you were saying about God as a maker. I think that's a theme that we do. We kind of leave it in the garden. And, uh, yeah. and, and once we've moved past that story, we, well, okay, now he's doing other things. Um, rather than going, hey, look, no, that's who he is. And even even coming, you know, incarnating and, and being here, that, you know, I think we miss the fact that he's a maker and that the theme is that at the beginning he made it and then he sent his son to to remake us. Mm. It's still this, it's still a creation process. He's recreating us. He's making a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. That you look at the garden, you know, in the beginning of Genesis, but then you get to the end of Revelation, and there it is again. That that even the end of the story is is remaking. That 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 man. That's a that's a beautiful theme that I think a lot of times we leave at the beginning of the story, um, and. Uh, so I, I love that. That's been one of the things I've been looking at um, recently. And so when you mentioned that, it really, uh, oh, that's really right where I am. Um, cool. I'm apply the song is I, I've always just wanted to provide the church for things it can use. Um, yeah. You know, when you go back and look through my records, part of it, a lot of it is my story. This is this is where I am with God. But there's always something in each record that is very intentionally for the body. Saying, here's one more song. If you need it, you can use it. And if you don't, that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, the Better Questions record um, was wrestling with all these really difficult issues about doubt and struggle. and um, But as we were kind of getting in the middle of it, I realized, hey, this is what the record's about, but what is the gift to the church from this? Um, mm. Now, part of it is there's a gift to the church of saying, hey, it's okay to wonder. It's okay not to have all the answers, but I, I, I still want there to be a song 
hey, what is the song I can give to the church? And I realized that when you're when you're in the issues of doubt and struggle, that that the worshipful response to that is that we doubt because God is too big, too vast, too great for us to comprehend. Mm. Um, that that there is a mystery because we are not, we do not have, we have the capacity to know Him but we don't have the capacity to completely understand him. And so I was like, so that's the worship theme in the midst of all this doubt. Um, and, and I was like, okay, well, how do I write that? And then I realized, wait a second, one of my favorite songs is already about that. I'm just going to record that. So I put, you know, Our Great God um, that Fernando uh, had written and uh, yeah. Ian Mack had recorded, and so you know, I just cut it again because I, I was always shocked that that song didn't blow up in the church um, from the beginning because it was such an Did interesting you, song. In fact, that's one of the first songs you and I ever talked about uh, because it was on <laughs> Better Question, and we actually did. Uh, we talked about still has a still has a hold from that yeah. record, and I made sure you and I also talked about um, our great God <laughs> when we talked. So I I share your opinion on that. Yeah, it's such a wonderful song, and so I've always had that that idea that hey, I want to I want to give something back to the church, and yeah. so that's always been a theme of mine. Um, but it's never been a theme that the church needs to use it. Just that yeah. it, I need to make something that is available that that can enrich their response if they need it. Um, you are good from the last record. Um, was a song that my church needed, my church in Austin needed to be able to respond in a time of communion. And I just was like, man, I I don't really know any communion songs anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I ended up writing the song, You Are Good. And, uh, but it was really just for that purpose, just for my church to respond in that way. And uh, and so so that's always what my worship songs are. Um, the fact that some of them end up getting played on the radio and stuff is just shocking and uh, unnecessary. But I'm grateful for it um, that it gets shared with with more churches. Um, but that's that's what this is too. That um, I I love worship songs that dig deeply into the rich theology that we have. Um, I don't. I'm I'm not a critic. I don't think that all of our songs need to do that. And if we don't do it, I don't think that's wrong. I think sometimes simple is the right thing. Um, but in this, God had taken me through a journey of wrestling with this. And so I wanted to go and approach and, and try to write the, the richness of our salvation into um, into a song so that so that the church body has that and has that ability to, to respond. And um, and one of the things I love about songs like that is you, God can use it in many, many different ways. Yeah. Um, that sometimes you're going to hear that you're forgiven. Sometimes you might hear that you're adopted. Sometimes you might hear that you were pardoned. Um, you know, there's all these different things and that, that's why God put them all in the Bible because we needed to hear all those things at some point in time. And so that's really my hope. It's not so much that I hope people are going to go and take the song and take it apart word by word and go commit to a plan of action. 
as it is, I, I want them to be able to thank their God for what he's done for them. And, and in using the song, my hope is that God will remind them of what he's done. Um, and that there's, because there's always times when we need to hear those things. Even those of us that wrote the songs um, need to be reminded that, uh, yeah. that, that, he, that he has done this. And so the one for me recently has been, um, there's a, a line in the chorus about the wrath of God being poured out and satisfied. And, um, and I've been talking about it um, most of the time recently when I've been playing the song um, because I had friends go, hey, are you sure you want to put this line in here? <laughs> um, it, that's not a normal you know, topic to jump into. Um, and, you know, even in some of the theological realms, they're starting to go, hey, you know, we don't, we don't know if we quite agree with this, but I don't, it's in the Bible, so I don't, I don't know, um, you know, if you jump into Romans 5, 9, and it's like, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That, that, that idea is in there, and uh, in my whole life, I, I was, I didn't live in fear of the wrath of God, but I did think that God was probably disappointed in me, <laughs> that I hadn't turned out quite the way he had hoped with the skills and abilities and life and grace that he had given me. Um, and then a couple of years ago, uh, I was with a pastor that, uh, you know, was preaching on the topic and said, you know, some of you guys think that, that God's mad at you. And I'm like, well, that's because he probably is. Um, he's like, but but he's not. And I was like, well, that's, you don't know who I am. You don't know where I failed him. Yeah. And he said, well, you don't. You may you may be thinking that I don't know who you are or what you've done. He said, and I don't. He said, but it doesn't matter. He said, what I know is that God poured out all His wrath on Christ at the cross, and He didn't save a little bit for you. Mm. His work of Jesus didn't die on the cross to cover most of our mistakes, mm. um, but it was all paid for then. He said he did not save anything for you. And, man, that wrecked me. And so when I got to, you know, finishing the song, I'm like, no, that for me, that line has to stay in there. Um, and uh, so, you know, and so that's what I hope. I hope that people whether it's that line or whether it's any of the others, that God uses it to reassure and to free people. But also, you know, hopefully some people will be hearing that for the first time and go, hey, I, I would want that. Yeah, amen to that. I, I thank you for the personal connection because, you know, to me that's why I do this and it's also why um, there's an anointing uh, to a believer writing a song in response to God that doesn't exist in just a regular, call it secular song. Um, uh, because, you know, God's word doesn't return void. Um, there's something sanctified and holy uh, about thinking about him and his attributes, obviously. And you shouldn't think of that as entertainment. Uh, it, should, it should be a prayer, or it should be a meditation, or it should be a uh, a Bible study, uh, in essence, 
which is what I'll be doing with your song. So thank you so much for all of that content because I look forward to unpacking it uh, and letting the Holy Spirit work on me and see which line or lines uh, affect me in that way uh, in the song as I write about it. And I'm often amazed by what the Holy Spirit um, writes through me, and I'm sure you feel the same way as a songwriter, uh, uh, as I go to um, try to you know, consolidate those thoughts. So hopefully this is the start of us continuing com- uh, talking uh, uh, again soon. Um, and I know there's another new track on the record, so we could at least talk about that. Um, yeah. But I, I will get this up in about in a couple of weeks, I believe. I think I'm scheduled okay. for the week of August uh, to get this written up. And, of course, I'll send it back your way. And thank you, as always, uh, for, for your intentionality and your heart uh, and um, for writing songs that have always resonated with me. Uh, I affectionately call your type of music uh, gourmet, um, which is... In the Bible, there is actually not a definition, or not in the Bible. In the dictionary, there's not a definition for gourmet. Uh, it's just, you know, basically taste, uh, you know, like regular coffee, only better. And, um, you know, so thank you for uh, providing that type of a resource for me as, as a believer who is just want, looking for fresh ways to connect with God. So thank you for that. You're welcome, man. Thank you. For sure. Well, I will uh, look forward to chatting again soon and uh, and unpacking this and seeing what the Holy Spirit does. So yeah, uh, yeah. anytime. Just uh, let me yeah, as always, great to chat and uh, look forward to talking again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks a lot. Right. Take care and God bless. All right. Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.